0: What's up, fam? David Anthony here for another edition of The Grip, gaining relevant, innovative perspective. What's going on, everybody? It's another Saturday, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to invade your space. You feel what I'm saying? That's right, that I can come in and we can have a little conversation, we can gain some perspectives we can have fun doing what we do and i'm really excited that thank you fam thank you thank you for hanging out with me week after week your comments everything that you throw my way your ideas and all that kind of good stuff it's always needed and man what kind of week have we had i mean from the grammys to everything going on with our with our gospel partner, Kirk Franklin, to COVID testing. Man, to people losing their lives over stimulus checks. Man, boy, I'm telling you, this has been crazy. But yeah, here we are for another week of The Grip. And I'm just so excited that I have this opportunity uh, to be able to hang out with you and that you can be able to come and to be with me. And uh, man, it's gonna get real. And uh, I'm just so so thankful for it. And so I I am, uh, man, uh, just making my way through this week and realizing just how important it is just to have friends and colleagues and others that you can have, you know, conversations with, and man, so I'm just, I'm just so thankful uh, for the opportunity today to be able to talk to a friend, a brother, classmate from uh, out of Texas, man. Uh, I believe is what uh, we're we're gonna actually get this pronunciation right, Colleen, Texas. I believe. Oh,
1: no, Kylene,
0: Texas. All right, Colleen, Texas. And I'm talking about pastor Rodney Gilchrist. Oh man, from the Liberty Christian uh, Center uh, there. And I am so excited, bro. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey,
1: How you doing? Good to be with you today. We're so grateful for the privilege of just dialoguing with a, a brother, a friend, a colleague in the faith, man. Yeah, just just amazing. And classmates, you know, we go way back, man. This is years of knowing each other and, and really not being in touch for a little while because of what life did with us both. But man, it's good to reconnect and to just find out how good God has been to both of us, man. So I'm excited about this conversation. It's going to be a great time,
0: man. Thank you so much, man. And to you and everything that you got going on, man. And I, I'm just saying to myself, how did a small town boy like you wind up in a big state like Texas?
1: Man, I you know, um, I when we graduated high school, you know, two weeks after we graduated, basically, I left. I left and went to, to the Army. And, wow. Um, okay. There, um, after I joined the, the military, I, I traveled all over the world, and, and my last assignment in the Army after 20 years, I got here in my 20th year of military service. The wow. Texas, the Army reassigned me to Fort Hood, Texas. And and along that journey, you know, man, I had a major encounter with God um, in 1998, uh, about 12 years after we graduated high school. God just really grabbed a hold of my heart. I, you know, I've been connected with God all of my life, basically. Um, when I was 17, I had this major encounter with God in Antioch Will Baptist church on Lincoln street.
0: Oh man. I know about Antioch, man. That's, yeah,
1: man, I grew, that's my church, man. That's where I grew man, up. Antioch
0: grew. is right up from St. Peter's disciples yeah, of Christ. I, you man, and it. I grew up in St. Peter's and matter of fact, my mom was a member of Antioch for a while.
1: Wow. Amen. Amen. But my grandmother, my mother, my Grandparents all were really, really, really connected to Antioch. And so, you know, I grew up there. I had a major encounter at 17 in high school, senior year of high school. Me and God had a great conversation sitting on the back row of Antioch. And I ran. And I said, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. He was calling me to ministry. Then I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. I'm not ready to do this. So I ran in the army thinking I was running from God. Wow. And in 1998, on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, I had a major encounter on a mountaintop on a men's retreat. And God said, you're going to preach my word. You wow. can't run anymore. And so at that point, I delivered my first real message at a men's retreat because the guest speaker didn't show up. I was the, the leader, the lay leader of the men's ministry in the local gospel service where our military base. Right. And um, we had a men's retreat and I had invited certain preachers and pastors to come. They didn't show up. One of them didn't show up. And so the other elders were like, well, we already got our message prepared. We need somebody else to speak. Hey, Gilchrist, what is the Lord is speaking to you? Give us what the Lord's giving you for the week. And then I just stood up and began to speak and God just used that thing, man. And that was the launch. Wow. And, and so it was amazing, man. To God be the glory, man. And uh, that was in 1998. Wow. Uh, and and um, just, just ended up in th- uh, 20, 20 uh, what, 2005. I graduated from, I went to the Sar Majors Academy in El Paso, Texas. Graduated from that, moved my family here in 2006. And we've been here ever since. Wow. So, That's how we ended Uh, up in Colleen, Texas. Wow, man, that
0: that is uh, that's a simply awesome man. So what do you say to persons now, man, since you had that profound story of running, um, yielding and then God launching? What do you say to persons who are wrestling with the call of ministry right now? Because I believe all these young people who are out here are, are not just uh, that I, I don't believe that God is not calling people. I, I believe that that we've got a lot of them that are just uh, uh, wrestling, especially young men. So what, what do you say to them now uh, about wrestling with that call, about how to come to a place of yielding?
1: I, I, I'll just tell you this. Um... the the closer when when i made a decision to just draw nigh unto the lord for real and not just go to church any longer you know we've been in church all our life basically right but when you decide that you're going to personalize the relationship with christ and when you really decide that i'm going to just grow grow closer to him in an intimate relationship he will definitely identify whether you're called or not and it will be something that you can't resist Mm. You might fight it. You might try to avoid it, um, but it will be you'll find yourself quoting scriptures. You'll find yourself talking in situations when you don't want to say nothing and you'll be glorifying God and you'll it'll just, it just comes out of you. And you're like, OK, so what is this? And then you'll start to identify that this is God's functioning, God's way of pushing you forth. And saying I'm calling, I've already gifted you the gifts. Are, the callings are without repentance, so that's before you even get saved. But now God's going to start to use you in settings and start to to speak through you, and you're going to recognize that. So don't. I would tell young people, especially some of the younger men, don't run from what you're called to. Sometimes you have to embrace it and then get around other people who have callings upon their lives who will also help you to cultivate that gifting in your life. Um, that is one of the things that I think is missing sometimes mentorship in the faith we don't have a whole lot of people willing to nurture young gifts Um, and show them how to use and operate in those giftings. I I often challenge a lot of people who I know are gifted and anointed in in the faith. And I I ask them sometimes, who's helping you with that gift I see? Right, right. And they like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I just know that I see, I can see the gifting. So I just need to know who you've tapped into in that area that can help you with that gifting. So that's, I would encourage people to tap into that mentorship, also, um, don't run from it. Um, embrace it, but at the same time, don't get ahead of God, but um, enjoy the journey. That's another thing, too. I, I think sometimes we have to enjoy that growth journey, too, in the things of the faith. So, amen. Wow. I'm talking
0: today with Pastor Rodney Gilchrist uh, and, man, the Liberty Christian uh, Center. And, uh, Pastor, uh, when I was going over some things and, and just allowing myself to be reacquainted with you, Uh, And uh, I was just like, wow, this is an amazing story um, because you were you were talking about some um, spiritual experiences that you had uh, when um, you were in between. uh, I think you had gone overseas uh, and uh, and fighting one of the wars that that were involved and you were able to then uh, begin really interacting with that your ministry um, while you were in the military. What was right. that experience like? Because that's always a tricky kind of thing.
1: Yeah, this is what happened. I, I was already, um, I got licensed in 2001, ordained the old fashioned way in 2005, right. you know, sitting under pastor training, right. um, got, went to an ordination board, took the exam, took the, uh, and, um, endured the oil examination and all of that, the old fashioned way. I like not what today. you said, the
0: old fashioned way, because that's like
1: suggesting that ain't how it's happening now. So, you know, yeah. well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't even go through that anymore. They don't want to sit under anybody. They want to go straight to seminary and get school training ordained through that process. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying I'm not calling it the old fashioned way. But sometimes we, we do both. We, we are in seminary and we're doing it under under the leadership of a senior pastor. Who's right. actually ordained us? But I, that's why I said old-fashioned way. I don't mean to degrade it or minimize it. Well, no,
0: no, because that yeah. that way is is certainly that way that you're talking is certainly how I came through. I Amen. mean, you know, yeah, I went to school and and earned earned uh, my MDiv and all of that yeah. good stuff. But I was in a pastor, and and I don't think that we should take for a minute that when you mentioned before about mentorship, yeah. I mean, I think that's where it starts being that's under good, that pastor. Because I mean, remember. now you know. Uh, if you were if you if you doing what I'm doing, then the people you pastor look like us, and so
1: yes, you yes, you sir. you
0: know if the people you pastor look like us, then you clearly understand there gonna be some stuff
1: that that school not gonna teach you. Sir, Amen, and that is the, that is definitely one of the things that I, I really value and I appreciate. I tell people this all the time. You can go to school and be trained and taught certain things about preaching and about how to handle the word. But at the same time, there's some things about pastoring you can't learn until you sit with another pastor. That's you right. Yes, right. can't. Some things have to be caught. They cannot be taught. You have right. to be in in the. You have to be in in close proximity to some occurrences to just catch some revelation. Right. And so, so I, I thank God for the opportunity I set with um, Reverend um, Bobby L. Smith, Senior, in um, Zion Canyon Missionary Baptist Church, Columbia, South Carolina. I was stationed there. The Lord made a way to keep me on one duty station for six years so I could sit and be trained as a pastor. And then about year five, he just looks at me and says, God's about to move you. You're about to launch out and go and do great things in ministry. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to leave us. And I was like, wow, because I was thinking about retiring. Right. At that point, I was an E-8. I was a first sergeant in a training company. And the um, the Lord selected, they had me selected for sergeant major. So I go to the school, the, the senior army school for enlisted folks. I go to the school in El Paso, Texas. That's a 10 month long school. I get out there. Um, before I left South Carolina, my pastor shoot, I was already ordained, so that I could do everything that I needed to do in ministry. Right, right, right. Came. so I go to school to be a sar major, and um, I get in El Paso. I finish that school. We move to um, I and then three months later, I have to move my family here. We deploy to Iraq. Oh no! Oh So wow. I'm in Baghdad, Iraq, um, Camp Liberty, and at that point, the chaplain, who is a colonel on staff, would be I'm a E nine on staff as the senior legal enlisted person in the whole division, so I'm in that division headquarters with a whole bunch of senior officers and and enlisted folks. So um, this chaplain comes to me and says, "I understand and I know you are already an ordained elder in your church. I need to use you. Can you can you can you pastor this gospel service while we do the chaplain's duties? And you know you're here in Garrison, you're kind of around the headquarters. Can you can you pastor these people? Literally, God." I called my pastor in South Carolina and said, hey, I got this opportunity, what should I do? He said, oh, you need to take that, that's training. So I had my wife ship all my materials, all my books and stuff, all my study materials, Bible, because I came with one Bible. I thought I was going to take that year and just grow personally, you know? So I was going to do my own personal studies and stuff. And God said, I got another plan for you. So I had my wife box up all my materials and stuff and send them to me, three boxes of books, just books off the shelf, I told her specifically to pull. And I started pastoring that gospel service and I did it for, for not just one year, but I was the gospel service pastor in the headquarters for the first surge. So when the surge happened and they extended the deployments, I was pastoring the gospel service. Wow. And literally wow. God used us over there to, to baptize hundreds of people in a, in a deployed combat environment. Um, we, we literally had um, some major, major experiences with God over there. One of the most prol- prolific events that ever occurred while we were over there was we would get ready to do a revival. Right. Uh, and, we, and you know, you doing a revival over there, was like major. So we, we had all these other gospel service that was in vicinity of us. They were bringing people to this tent we were doing. And we had, um, it's the same day, and you probably heard of the incident when the um, dining facility got hit with a mortar attack at the headquarters and some people got, they died and were injured. Well, that day we were in a gymnasium doing this revival. We weren't in our normal location, the chapel. We were in the gymnasium and God, and God allowed a, a hedge of protection to fall around us and mortars were literally landing everywhere around that building. Wow. And God had me to stand up in the midst of that revival and decree and declare that mm. we need to stand still, sit down, relax, and, and watch the salvation of the Lord. And sure enough, not one mortar hit that building. There were 18 to 19 impacts on the camp that day, and none of them came now that place that we were in. Wow. Come out having a high time in the Lord that evening, it was amazing, sir. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Wow. And that was like when God was confirming for me you're going to have to transition out of this army because i want you to work for me full time now in my army
0: right and And he took you through those experiences of continuous affirmation and confirmation uh, to essentially bring you to where you are right now um and and understanding um you know just how important it is to listen um listen to god i'm just thankful for you sharing that today uh, because i'm sure somebody Um, that's listening uh, to the podcast today is saying to themselves, man, you know, um, I'm wrestling with my call. I'm not certain about which way to turn and how to be able to go forth. Well, I mean, take this story here to heart. God will confirm for you, not only will he call you, but he will also protect you in the midst of a storm. I got an eyewitness who just told you about it right here on the day. And so i'm really excited about it so pastor you leave from there and then um
1: you uh started church yeah it it didn't happen quite that quick i got back in in december and um the lord just laid upon my heart that you know it's time for you to start transitioning out of the military so i submitted my retirement papers and um when i submitted my retirement i basically the lord said go down and, and register this name as a church and i was like wow god you want me to stay in texas and he was like yeah He's like, I moved you from one K-town to another K-town. Wow, wow. I was like, wow. I moved from Kinston, North Carolina to Killeen, Texas. 24 right. years. Wow. It was a 24 year journey, but it was intended to develop me and cultivate this call that was in my life. Right. And so. Um, my wife and children, my children were like, daddy, we're gonna, we gonna stay here. You can go around and chase the army all you want to, but we are gonna stay in Texas. And uh, you, can, you can stay in the army if you want to. And, I, and I, my, my kids kind of had a, a family yeah. meeting and were like, dad, we just want to have a conversation about we don't want to move anymore. Right. We're tired of moving. Right. And so we decided to make Texas our home based on the leading of the spirit and make those conversations. And, and I, we, we visited a bunch of churches, but we, we discovered this is what happened. We really discovered that there was a whole generation of believers missing. Mm. There was there were people who were older than me and there were people who were much younger than me. And I was at that point um, about 38, 39 years old. I wasn't quite 40 at that point. So I was like, okay, God, what, what, do, what do you want me to do with this? Right. Um, and we're, we're gonna celebrate our 11th year in ministry in August. So I asked God, I said, God, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to look, I want you to find those, that, that demographic between 18 and 35 who are raising children. That's your wow. target audience. Go get them, and that's how Liberty Christian Center started. Wow. In my living room with eight people, we had a wow. we had a Bible study with eight people, and we started that in April of 2010. By June, we were already outgrowing my living room to the wow. stick. I could not hold the people who were coming just to that Bible study. Right, and so we decided we were gonna find a location and start having some little worship services and see what God's gonna do. You know, we wanted to confirm what God is doing. Right, we well, didn't no hurry. So we went looking for a building and um we found a building that we could lease, um storefront building. We converted that into a little sanctuary and by the end of July, first Sunday in August, we had our first service in that building. Wow. We had a worship service in that building. Um and and God just moved mightily. So we spent 7 years in that building growing and cultivating the ministry. And and people came and people left and but back, we grew from 8 to over 300 people in that building. Wow. That building could only hold about 125, 130 people. They were people standing on the walls, standing in other rooms outside, just trying to get into that place. And, wow. you know, we, we would block off the streets just to get people parked and stuff. And it, it was downtown Killeen, like in the downtown storefront. Like, you know, Kingston, like they think, think if somebody took um, the old locations, the Brody store and converted it. Right. That, that right. kind of thing, that's how it right. was sort of. So, and God just moved mightily. So. Um, then we, we ended up, we were gonna build a building, but God made it available for us to purchase the campus we're on now. We have a three building campus now. We have a main sanctuary, we have a youth facility, and then we have a garage or storage area where we can put our um, vehicles and stuff. So we, this, this, this campus is seven acres and we, all, we also own another five acres in another location which we were gonna build on, um, but, but we just own that land. Now we didn't build any, anything over there. But this campus is large enough that if God leads us and we outgrow this facility, we can still conduct um, construct another building on this campus. So God has, has been gracious to us. It's been amazing to watch what he does. Um, you know, we're in a military town, so we have a lot of fluctuation in membership and partnership. People come and go because they transition, they come in military and then they leave or some side to stay. Um, so we stay around that 350, 400 mark, um, usually with partners and members. Um, but God is faithful and been tremendously blessing us and We've grown a lot, man. We're running a learning center. We have a learning center with almost forty kids in it now. Wow! Um, we're getting ready to launch an after-school program, before and after-school program that's going to house another forty to fifty kids. Um, we, we, you've seen some of the things we're doing online, just ministering to right. the community. That's see, right, amazing. So we talk about a little bit more of that, but just, I'm just amazed at what God is doing. So man, hey. I'm
0: excited to hear you talk about it because, you know, both you and I know that uh, the culture of Kinston when we were kids, there was one of those cultures that there are very few people who didn't have on their mind, "I gotta get out of here." Yeah, I got, I got, I gotta get out of here. I gotta see what the world has to offer. And so, you know, we get that, you know, we get that Nazareth look. Can anything good you <laughs> come, know, out of- <laughs> <laughs> come out of Kenston, You know, because okay. was a little rough place. <laughs> And sometimes, man, and and uh, but, man, when I start thinking about our classmates, man, yep. and start thinking, you know, about uh, about individuals that um, are, are are doing, man, and um, just just uh, thankful and grateful to, you know, to re- reflect upon, you know. Uh, Marcus Edwards and Jimmy Evans and Maurice Hardy and Christopher Bradshaw and Robin Murphy and Elizabeth Nobles and uh, uh, Sharon Brown, you know, Ryan uh, Marshburn. I mean, Ricky Davis and, you know, just going, going, going through just persons, you know, that, that uh, you remember and you just like,
1: man. Um, And some of those are doing stuff in ministry as well. Amen, amen. We've got several classmates. I know, I know um, that Jimmy's in, a, a minister in his church. I know he's doing great things in the community. He he does a great feeding of the homeless and and clothing and stuff. He got a great clothing drive and things going on. I know he's active in ministry. Um, I know at one point Robin was really active in ministry. I don't know how active she is now. She's traveling a lot with a job she has. Right. So there's quite a few people who have really been active in ministry. Ricky Grant was um, ministering at one point. I, I don't know how that's going for him. But last time he, we were together, I went to Kinston to preach and he showed up and I was like, wow. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's doing great things. Wow. So there's a lot of people who've been called right. and are doing great things from my class. So I think there was something special about 86. I think so too. I think I think so too. And I remember
0: um, Elizabeth Nobles was doing something in
1: Greenville. Yeah, she's connected I- to um, um, Bishop Rosie O'Neill. Okay. Directed the Bishop Rosie O'Neill. Okay, right, and I remember her uh, doing
0: something before I ever left from the Greenville area, wow. um, and 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 making it happen. Uh, Reginald Davis uh, has been doing some things ministry wise, um, and uh, he's he's up here in the Charlotte area. So I mean, you know, I, I'm just thankful for our class, and I'm sure there's plenty more. You know, um, that are doing some different and awesome kinds of things. I want to give a shout out to Sharon Brown because Sharon was um, how Sharon and Marcus actually kind of got me connected uh, to what the class was doing online. And right, that's right. really what turned some things around because I, I mean, I didn't know some of the things that were going on and they just happened to find the show, man. And then boom, the next thing happens. And so, you know, I, I just really want to be thankful, thankful to both of them and to others, man, who just shown a lot of love and, and, and helping us go forth, man. Because that's what it's all about, man. Um, because we've we've been hearing of the sickness and we've also heard of the classmates we've lost.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: But but it's good to hear
1: classmates doing well too. Right. Man. And doing kingdom, you know, really, really out here for the Lord and doing it, man. And I, I mean, on another level. Right. I mean, sometimes I think that we miss, I, I really wanted to make sure that we talked about this too, sir. Sometimes we miss just how God uses us who came from so meager and menial background. Right to do great exploits in the kingdom for his glory. And so I'm grateful for for you and the platform that God has availed to you and, and, you know, your music ministry and your church. And I just, i studied your ministry just looking at what you've been doing. I've been like, wow, God, you've been using him. So I'm grateful for just just being connected and and knowing that, you know, we're serving the same awesome God who's able to do anything but fail. Right, right. I'm grateful, sir. And then the encouragement it is um, um,
0: when you see others and you run into them and you make it happen, like Dino Miller um, showed up on me one Sunday unexpected. <laughs> and, and so I was like, wow, man, this is just, you know, so encouraging, man, just to see, you know, a classmate and, and to be able to know, man, that, you know, we run around together and marching the band together and, and other kinds of things. And to see people in so many different areas, and not only those, who were in maybe class of 86 even a few who are like in 85 or uh, 87 who yeah. have migrated up my way you know and I'm, I'm able to keep up with them you know jack peninsula oh, i'm able to keep up with him you know his mom was math teacher at the school yep yep um, i remember them the Peninsulas, yep yep and uh um, to see checking out how they're doing and stuff like that I mean, so hey, basically, I just wanted to give a big shout out to K Town. So I don't, I don't put, put the plug in there for Kingston. I just want to make sure that people know we still got much love uh, for the city and what uh, training and everything that it gave to us uh, while we were there uh, and and making some things uh, happen. Listen, doc, let me shift gears on you because. Okay. Uh, your 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 city i don't know if your city owned, your. i don't know if your state is own something or, <laughs> you know, i don't know so i need you to help clear this up but when i when i heard that you know uh governor greg abbott uh decided that he was changing the protocols with the mask and how all of that stuff was getting ready to go down and it's not necessary and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that how has that been impacting you and your ministry and church and, and the stuff you all got going on? Because I know up here on this end, pastors are wrestling with folk getting vaccinated and they're wrestling with uh, keeping people in mask and whether or not they're going to have them in person worship. How is that whole piece going on
1: in Kaline, uh, OK, well, well, I'll tell you this. Um, as far as me, um, Rodney Gilcrest and the Liberty Christian Center, Talk, God is leading us is um, we are still requiring that masks be worn on our campus at all times. And we are still practicing social distancing and hand washing discipline and, and all of the other COVID protocols. Um, regardless to what the state does, we are doing our best to protect those who would come and worship with us. So we have um, we have opened up our doors to some degree. We have in-person limited seating worship experiences now. So our normal seating capacity for one service is right at about 300 people. So we we did that some social distancing, some measuring, we blocked off seats and things. And so we seat about 80 to 90 people a Sunday in, in, in the sanctuary gotcha. spaced out appropriately, um, families worshiping together and things. And so we've done all of that things and, and, and just, we are not um, embracing what our governor has done in that regard. Um, we just tell people, if you show up without a mask, we're gonna provide one for you. And if you don't wanna wear one, we're gonna ask you not to worship with us that day. We'll just excuse you from the worship and and, and, and explain to you that we're trying to be safe. We're not trying to infringe upon your personal rights, but at the same time, we wanna protect everybody else in here too. So that's what we're doing. Um, now, now, let me share this with you too. See, this is amazing to me how, and I like the idea that you brought up with the shots, the, the vaccines, because as a pastor who is a COVID survivor, Okay. He's also a vaccinated COVID survivor. Gotcha. Taking both vaccines. I literally caught COVID between the shots. Oh. I got vaccinated on um, in December. Um, caught COVID January 7th, tested positive January 7th. Somewhere in there I got infected. Um, my staff, it went through my staff. So we had about seven out of the nine people who are employed full-time here that tested positive. But thanks be to God, none of us had any real major symptoms. I wow. um, had the symptoms, but they weren't major. I had um slight diarrhea, stomach upset, um, a fever one day out of the whole 10 days I was quarantined um, and, and God literally protected me. I believe that it was a result of the divine protection of God. But at the same time, I also believe that I had some antibodies that worked for me because I had that first vaccine. So right. my wife never caught it. So my viral load must have been evidently really low. Right. Um, my wife never contracted it. My mother never contracted it. My mother-in-law, who all live in my home and uh, in close proximity to me, never got it. Um, and so, you know, I'm a vac- I'm pro-vaccine. My wife's right. been vaccinated. My mother's been vaccinated. My mother-in-law's been vaccinated. We, we, and then, right now, as we are speaking, currently going on in my youth building, we are vaccinating people from Colleen, Texas.
0: Oh, man, Listen. man.
1: Man, we are. That would have been
0: a great shot,
1: man. <laughs> man, I, I I wish I could have given you um a live picture of it, but we literally our parking lot's full of people coming in to get the vaccination right now. Wow. Um, we've been open, we open every day since Tuesday, Tuesday through Friday of this week from 11 to 7 p.m. at night. We're giving out vaccines. That's the city and the county has designated our church and our facility because we're on this side of town as one of the locations or sites to issue the vaccine. So they'll get their first dose here and they'll get their second dose here right um, the week after Easter. So the sixth through the ninth, they'll come back to the same location to get their second shots. And so we've done over 900 people in two days. Wow. So they're coming, they're coming through. And the the goal was to get 2000 through here in four days. So we're we're gonna we probably gonna hit that target or we're gonna get real close to it. So well, I I, sure
0: I need you to step back for a minute now. So you got vaccinated because I, I I I
1: need to help somebody. Yeah. You got vaccinated, but you still caught COVID. Yeah. So let me explain this to you. I think a lot of people miss this too. Um, and I actually had some good teaching and training. I, I have a friend in South Carolina, military um, compadre, who's now an apostle in the Lord's church he has a friend who's a doctor who worked on the vaccine. And so he had him on a conference call with all of us and he literally explained to us that the vaccine was not intended to necessarily keep people from getting the COVID, it's to keep you alive in case you get it. So wow. it, can, it can- That's that's powerful right there because I think people
0: think that the vaccine is supposed to stop me from getting, the, getting COVID. And so therefore what I'm trying to do is now I can free to, free to wear my mask and everything.
1: Yeah, no. no and no, that's
0: no. not so. That's not
1: so. And <laughs> so, so people need <laughs> to understand that the vaccine is intended to help you to produce antibodies to combat the virus so that you can defeat it more rapidly or overcome it quickly, more quickly. Um, and you won't, you won't be as severely, um, the disease won't be as advanced or severe in your life till you have to be hospitalized or you or you need advanced treatment like ICU treatment and breathing stuff. So right. but literally that vaccine is just like the flu, the flu vaccine, the regular flu vaccine. If you get the flu after the flu vaccine, it was, you know, the flu vaccine was intended to help you fight off the flu. Right. Not necessarily to keep you from totally getting the flu. So right. I think sometimes we miss that and um, there's all these, these misinformation and, and false stuff out here on the internet about these vaccines. I would encourage people to do your own personal research. Talk to some people who've gotten a shot. Um, either the Pfizer, the Moderna, or even now, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Talk to people who've actually gotten it, see how they're doing. You see right. me, I look pretty healthy. I think I'm doing pretty good, pretty well. Um, most of my partners have gotten it. Um, you know, some some of uh, the, uh, the citizenship in Colleen have gotten it and, and nobody seems to be getting ill. We haven't had anyone die or anyone um, get sick as a result of vaccination. So I, I wanna encourage everybody to get the vaccine so that we can. One day, take off these masks and go back to some sense of normalcy. Right. Or that, let's all just do our part. And I think as, as leaders in the church and in the community who have voice, ours is a responsibility to share the correct information and to also lead by example. That's so right. When the opportunity avails itself to church leadership, I would encourage them to go get the shot as well. And That's then right. show their people, hey, I'm not only going to lead you in faith, I'm going to lead you in practice. Right.
0: Right. And when we lead in practice, what essentially happens is that individuals um, are able to then grab hope to them and say, well, pastor did it, and I saw the other leaders of the church did it, Um, then I I need to go do this as well and making that happen. But man, you just blessed me uh, with that to share that as one who had the experience, not you talking about somebody else going Amen. through it, but no, it happened to you. So can't nobody tell you what this, what the vaccine can and cannot do, but you still are a
1: believer in it. And after you got better, you went and got your second shot. I sure did. I got it. Look, as soon as they said I was eligible, because I, I tested positive four days before I was due my second vaccination. Wow. So, And I didn't even know I had it. The only reason I went to go get tested was because so many people on my staff had tested positive. Right. So I said, I better just go get checked out just to see. Right. And sure enough, the next day that thing says you're positive. So I'm like, whoa, I go upstairs and I I, I quarantine myself, isolate myself from my family. They never test positive. Um, And, and just, it's just, it's all God. I believe God was truly divinely orchestrating this thing. But I also believe God was using that for me to be a witness. That's right. So literally he was using me, he says, I'm gonna use you and show People, what I'm capable of doing, I can keep right. and protect you. But I also want you to know, I have put into place protocols and practices and things and vaccines to help other people survive this. Right. But they got to be willing to follow the instructions. That's right. That's right. so. That's so powerful, man. I'm
0: I'm glad that we're not in charge of this conversation, but God is. And so that what's happening is is that He's just interjecting things, and somebody's going to be blessed by that, and somebody's going to gain some knowledge from that. That is going to help them because there is so much misinformation um, that is going on out there and man it's just it's just simply crazy listen man we got to get ready to get out of here but as we were talking about the um, vaccine and uh, everything that's going on have you experienced something that has been devastating to you uh, during this whole period that you were saying you know lord just it just shook you for a minute and took you to the throne room just to have to think about praying more intensely uh, during this whole experience of, of the whole uh COVID-19, um, in terms of uh, because I know you mentioned that you didn't you all really haven't had uh, a lot of loss of life or or death uh, and situations, but anything else that kind of kind of shook you during we this? Had a, we had
1: a major incident here in our church. But it wasn't COVID related, but um, as far as we know, it wasn't COVID-related, but we had. Um, my chairman, the chairman of my deacons, his oldest son committed suicide. Wow. In okay. November. So that shook our church. Right. In the midst of the pandemic, when we're not even you know meeting and gathering together, we've now got to rally around this family and minister to them. One of our major leaders in the ministry and, and minister to them. And, and at the same time, you know take a risk really and just say we want to gather and honor this life and celebrate with this family and bless them knowing that covid is out here but still we got to we got to do this this ministry moment so right. we opened up our doors to our church and we had a, a, a wake a viewing here at the church and then we had a memorial service the next day um they de- they decided not to bury him but to to have his body cremated and things. so we 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 just we, we, we as a church, it caused us to rally together and really draw nigh unto God and to each other. And it was just amazing to watch God take something so tragic and turn it around and bless people. Literally at that memorial service, there were eight young people who gave their heart to Christ that day.
0: Wow, wow. Oh. So
1: out of all of that, we saw God move right in the midst of that. And so right. I was so grateful his family um, some of his aunts and uncles said they have never been to a service, not alone a, a memorial or a home celebration where the spirit was so high and they felt so good leaving. They couldn't even cry. They just felt like that God was in the midst. Wow. And so it was just a fabulous, outstanding moment of ministry that really just reiterated to me our mantra of we don't just do church, but we do life. Right. And literally we're trying to, duplicate or reintroduce the model of the original church. Right. Which is we're going to learn how to fellowship together. We're going to learn how to break bread together. We're going to learn how to not only worship on Sunday together, but let's meet in homes. Let's dialogue. Let's meet in small groups. Let's, let's, let's do life together. Right. So when something happens in your life, you're not calling on a bunch of strangers. You're calling on the people who are already connected to you. Right. And in your life. And it doesn't have to be the senior pastor who responds to every emergency. So we we really we really implemented this thing what we call circles of light, where we got it from um Apostle Ivy Hillier. You probably heard of him in Houston, Texas. Right, right, literally, right. Literally, he has this thing called the circle of 12. And we we've taken that, we've modified it a little bit, but we call it our circle of light. And they're responsible for keeping the the small group of 12 families or, or so lit up, you know. So we have leaders what we call torch bearers. They get the messages, interpret them according to the Holy Spirit and share it with their people. And they dialogue, they meet once a month. They keep them with the information flow. Emergencies happen. They call them first and then they point them to the right people. Right. The ministry wise and the right resources in the community. So we, we're just trying to do life with people and make sure that people understand the church is not here to take from you, but to give to you. Right,
0: right. And when church is not adding something to your life, then there's a problem. And, and if it's not adding something to your life, there ain't no sense in trying to become territorial about it. You need to find someplace that's going to add something to your life. Amen. Uh, because uh, you can't add to somebody else's life if something is constantly being subtracted from you or if you're constantly with, making withdrawals, but you're not giving you're not giving anything back. I, I think we're kind of a little similar in terms of your torchbearers is how our class leaders and our body function or what I've heard in other denominations as young fellows and small group ministries, which are so important uh, for individuals to consistently have. um, So that, like you said, the senior pastor is not responding to every major call that happens, but somebody else in a circle of friends to be able to make it happen, man. I just think that's powerful. Pastor, man, I am so encouraged about what you got going on at the Liberty Christian Center, man. I wanted to have you on and just to be able to talk And uh, so we could dialogue. And I hope today's conversation, uh, man, has blessed some lives and and some people. I know there's some nuggets in there, man, that have done it for me. So I know they've done it for me. I'm hoping it's going to do it uh, for somebody else. Pastor, you have any final words before we go on today?
1: Hey, man, I I just want to encourage the people's hearts and tell people that, you know, God's not finished with any of us yet. As long as you're still breathing, as long as you're still available and listening and heeding his instructions, he can still use you. So I would encourage you to be available, always be available so God can use you to bless somebody else's life. It ain't always about you. Sometimes it's about you just giving God glory and assisting other people. So that's that's my heart. My heart is to just be a blessing that we might inherit a blessing. And so I would encourage people to be more other-centered instead of so selfish and so self-minded about what's what's in it for me. How about what's in it for my fellow man and what's going to bring my God the greatest glory. And I think that will change the whole dynamic of not only the church but the world in which we reside. That's what are we trying to do sir. Well I'm thank so you, Pastor, man. you man, man it's been rich it's been real man
0: it've been exciting Man, I'm gonna look forward to continuing uh, to hang out with you in some uh, uh, other ways, and just kind of just talking and keeping up with each other for the next years that come and fellowshiping. Man, I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll
1: be we'll be talking. All right. Okay. So God bless you. Take bless care. You ministry, man. Talk to you soon. Peace.